Hello, everybody. This is Jonathan Mintos with Unboxing Story. And this We're, is Melissa Matos. Yeah, she's there, too. Hi. And, <laughs> and uh, we explore narrative from the fringes. But before we do that... Introducing Cain and Abel, the first part of the Seven Deadly Sins series. A handicapped boy wants to cure his own muscle disease, but a rivalry turns his ambitions into obsessions. The ending had a perfect feeling of unease and suspense. It basically felt the same way as when I finished watching Psycho for the first time. Megan Pegasus, Booktuber, Reviewer. Dennis Kane has a pretty average near-death experience. White Light, Crisis of Faith, Family Bonding, Don't Forget Delusions of Grandeur. Plenty of those. After a surgery gone wrong leaves him bedridden, Dennis isn't satisfied with just regaining his strength. His harrowing journey of rehabilitation is just the beginning, as he seeks to cure his own muscle weakness, impress the girl of his dreams, and destroy his childhood bully. You know, your average delusions of grandeur. Experience the first chapter in a companion series based on the seven deadly sins. Each tale will investigate the horrors of human error across history, and contrasts our corruption with the power of the gospel. So we're going to geek out this episode. Yes. Because we're both uh, died in the wool and met Shyamalan fans. Woohoo! Uh, and it's kind of, it's interesting. I, I almost feel like it, the hipster in me says, like, I shouldn't, uh, like, I want to be divorced from the fact that he films all of his stuff in Philly. Uh-huh. Like, I would, I would like to know what my opinion of him would be. If he was from somewhere else. If he was, yeah, from somewhere else. But it is cool. I still think I'd like them. It is cool that the that this type of director um, is from here, and that a lot of the stories. Weird and we're proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> so second. well, it's it's almost it's funny because you get in his movies, you get kind of the gamut of the Pennsylvania area, and because like in in all of Stephen King's stuff, it's like. Um, Weird backwoods, middle of nowhere, New England. Middle of nowhere, New England, which is actually very scary. We have been there, and it's not. You don't necessarily get like urban, like in in. We should write to Stephen King and have him do a scary piece about the place. <laughs> yeah, so we went on this nightmare for uh, this nightmare from him, this vacation from him, <laughs> where we went to a camp place, and their slogan was. If, There's if no you, place like, like this place pl- near this place, so this must be the place. Right. If that's not already makes you want to kill yourself, then <laughs> the place itself was very weird. Very and mostly empty and just creepy all around. And all of the all of the stereotypes that you see from Stephen King stuff, from like snobby rich people to um weird like uh rural people. <laughs> To the, yeah, it's just, and, and it was very, like, there wasn't really much to do. Nope. It was, yeah. It was, the, the sadly supposed beach with boats and stuff was a lie. <laughs> was this dismal little rocky version of a New England lake. It uh-huh. was just so weird. Yeah, it was, it was not fun. But, um, but yeah, what I like about M.I. Chavalon stuff is that the, um, like the sixth sense is not uh, being his first kind of original thing that that was like a cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 
not like it didn't rely on all those like it's not like a haunted house movie. Right. It's not it's not it doesn't fit into genre a Bottom genre box. Case, yeah. And and kind of the idea is so beautiful in that it's like if a person really saw ghosts, it would probably screw them up. <laughs> yeah. A lot. And so they 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 use that as a basis for this really cool relationship between the psychologist and a kid. And it just so happens that wherever he goes, so where it doesn't it doesn't have to be a haunted house thing. It's not built around like at a certain like at the witching hour he sees ghosts. They it, they do choose to show themselves to him in different times. Mm-hmm. But it's not specific to like, you know, oh, there's midnight. Now we know he's going to see, he could see it at any time. Right. Um, and then like, there's different things like now um, it's become known that like, there's different signs from Shyamalan that something's about to happen. There's like red right. throughout the movie. Um, so like there's red balloon and he goes to get it. And that's when he sees a ghost. Um, yeah, there's a lot of detail in that movie. That you don't catch the first time through if you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. That I know people that went back and watched it on purpose just to catch all the details that were there, like uh-huh. the things that you could have noticed that would have given it away if you had been looking for them. Mm-hmm. And and I think that the the thing that I that always strikes me when I rewatch that movie is how how amazing the drama behind it is. Right, like the the uh, relationship between him and... and So are we going to go through each movie? Sorry, to interrupt. <laughs> are we going to go through each movie first and then say at the end why we like him and other people are crazy for not liking him, or are we going to start Oh, yeah, that? no, that's, a good, that's, a good, that's a good way to do it. Um, or, or, well, we can we can go through, because there's certain... I, I We'll go through the different movies, because I, yeah, I've never heard... Too, I've never heard anything, anybody say anything bad about... This um, makes sense. About the success. Yeah, that's um, pretty much the one everyone agrees was awesome. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll we can do a general wrap up at the end. But um, the six like the relationship between Haley Joel Osment and Bruce Willis is like amazing mm-hmm. and like well done in that like it's a believable. It's not like you know Patch Adams where it's like they're there's kind of like you. Bruce Willis is playing like a real realistic character. Yeah. And so the 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 building of their relationship feels really real. And but then it's like the drama builds throughout it so that you really are invested in their relationship and where it goes and how they help each other. Um and the relationship between Haley Joe and his mom yeah. is like amazing. beautiful. I think she got like not I, I don't know if she won. For that movie, but I think she got nominated for supporting actress. Yeah, because the there's the scene like all the stuff about her having to deal with his mental problems is really like it feels like a mom dealing with yeah. this stuff, and then uh, there's the scene where she's talking about her grandmother. Yeah, and it's like this is one of the best scenes yeah. of all time. It's beautiful. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's one of my favorites of his. I think it's a lot of people's, or is there anything that, that um, I, I know I, I, 
really geeked out. <laughs> no, no, it's, I mean, that's like the one everybody geeks out about. It's like the best twist one. It's the best drama, like you're saying. The characters are so real mm-hmm. in in the middle of this supernatural story. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just the level of detail he puts into it, because then you have some flashbacks at the end that show you, oh yeah, I didn't even notice that. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even notice this. And you're like, oh my goodness, this has been this the whole time, and I didn't, I couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got a mastery of subtlety mm-hmm. and a mastery of like quiet dramatic scenes. Because mm-hmm. like most of the scenes in that movie, there's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of like yelling, and screaming at each other. Mm-hmm. It's all this very quiet, deep talking about serious issues. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that some more in other others of his movies. I think a lot of them are like that. They're very understated and they're very mm-hmm. they ratchet up the tension not by having stuff jump out at you or having stuff being action oriented or having big crazy things happen. It's just this very quiet under the under the surface drama tension thing that goes mm. on. Mm. And um well there's two there's two uh things from it that that or a couple like, like whenever it's on, I'm like, well, now I'm this is my afternoon now because I have to watch it. Excuse me, but one of the scenes that I always love to catch is um, when he's in the. There's this thing where he says he doesn't trust him yet, mm-hmm. Haley Joel Osment's character, and so he says, um, "Well, what I'll do is I'll say oh, something yeah, about something you, about you and if, it's and if it's true, true you're going to take a step closer." Yeah. So that that That's first of all scene. that setup for a scene is really good, and you really like you get all the drama of like he's reacting to these assumptions about him, and then he tells the story about the he's like I I drew a picture of a man hurting another man in the neck with a screwdriver, and he talks about like um, from after that I started drawing rainbows. Right. Like parents don't have meetings about rainbows. And so it's a, it's a very, it's an interesting scene because you can tell that there's something deeply wrong, but you can, it's also a commentary on how people deal with people that are going through something. Yeah. And they, it's like, we'd rather you just hide it. Right. <laughs> and it's like, that's not how you're going to solve no, the problem. not going to fix anything, not helping anybody. But and he was just not. He was, uh, even at that age, he was already internalizing right. this idea of like, well, then I just ignored it right. and figured it would go away. Um, so yeah, so there, there's a lot of stuff in that, and you're right in that he sets up this expectation from that point forward that I'm going to make movies. Uh, yeah, that, that was the other thing I was going to say is that the twist doesn't really, um, do, it does work on the story because then it becomes like, you can see the mastery of storytelling in that he, showed you all these things and then he's like, wait, there's but this is what it something means. that you, yeah, this is what it means. Um, but at the same time, the, there are other movies like they, pe- people talk about, um, crash mm-hmm. that won an Academy award. And then, um, there was some other movie that didn't win. And so there's a lot of people that were like, uh, angry that it won over that movie. Um, but people have said like in crash, there's a lot of, it's a very strident movie and that like you, on the surface level, you're getting all this stuff. But then there's this one thing where this guy buys 
bullets for this gun, or no, this woman buys a guy a gun, but she buys him blanks. And then there's this other thing set up where he's firing and you think this girl gets shot, but um, because they're blanks, you know, he's not hitting anybody. And earlier on, she was told, I'm, I'm going to buy you this bulletproof cape. And so she's like really sweetly says like, you know, it worked. And so like there's that was set up. But in, in a movie like The Sixth Sense, the drama doesn't really work just because, because of the twist. there was this setup, Right. Thing. All that drama was there. And, and it's kind of like what I was talking to you about, like having style mask the fact that the story, like you can watch that movie and enjoy it, but it's not something that you really talk about. And like every time it's on, you have to watch it because there are other movies where, because there's more substance in the scenes, you're sitting there like, I need to watch every minute of this rather than just that one scene that was like, you know, they paid off this thing from the beginning. Um, and that's what I appreciate about his stuff. Um, at a more uh, basic level in the storytelling level is that he has this theme that he works through, he weaves throughout the whole story right. and it works as a movie on its own. Right. But then it's it heightened by the fact that he's using these kind of tropes and things from genre film to make you like, to elevate the story to this, like, more... Other levels. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Sixth Sense was 1999. Uh, this next one was Unbreakable, um, which I, I think it, it... I don't know if I saw... I'm trying to remember if I saw that in theaters. I don't think we did. I think we waited till that came out. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, because I remember Signs and, and The Village being... Yeah, because um, by the time we saw Unbreakable, we're like, we need to go see the next one he does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, uh, Unbreakable is Bruce Willis' character, and he survives a train. Um, a really, really nasty train wreck. Yeah, a, a nasty train wreck. And that, that scene where he's on the hospital bed, and they're, like, wheeling in person after person who's, like, dying yeah. from their, you know, wounds. And then, like, he, the doctor's telling him, like, you're, you're completely fine. Um, and so uh, it sets it up to where um, he has to deal with the fact that he's survived this thing. And then there's another character who play, who's played by Samuel Jackson um, who has this uh, disease where his bones break. break at the drop of a hat. They're very, yeah, they're very brittle. And um, it sets up his character to where uh, it, the way his mother got him to go outside was that she would put a comic book on uh, the park bench. And it was like that, that that's a really beautiful thing too, because it's, 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 it humanizes his character so yeah, much a lot. where um, it's, it, it sets up this thing of like life is very, uh, and that's really to me, like what a big theme of that movie is, is like life is very hard, but you, you push yourself to, right to, you know, um, to move forward. It was a very humanizing version of, well, I guess technically superheroes. Right, because then what, what happens is because uh, well, <laughs> he, he turns out to be... Mr. Glass. Yeah, Mr. Glass is, well, he's he offhandedly in the beginning of the movie says that kids used to call him that. Um, he contacts um, David, who is Bruce Willis's character, and says 
Um, if if I exist, then I thought there must be someone like you that like you who not nothing hurts. And he's trying to convince him that you need to use your abilities to help people. Uh, and then the Shyamalan twist at the end <laughs> is that a lot of the things uh, that, that uh, including I think the train wreck was done by Mr. Glass to try to find Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Um, and so, and that that's an, an interesting thing because um, it it sets up this thing where um, he he has this very warped sense of justice mm-hmm. and and all the stuff that humanized him earlier on in the story makes that even more creepy to me because he's like I'm willing to sacrifice all of these it's very Thanos yeah like okay. sacrifice uh, all these people because I have to find out if you exist right. Um, but he was so, like, both of them were just so good in that movie. Mm. Like, I think another shining mark of Shyamalan is he knows what actors he wants and what part. Mm-hmm. Right? And he, I don't know if he necessarily crafts the parts for those actors or not, but, like, they were perfect in those mm-hmm. parts. So very perfect. Like, Bruce Willis being the strong, silent type, basically, right. which is what he was. And Samuel Jackson as the as the brilliant, but flawed villain like mm-hmm. I don't know it was yeah, that it seems... managed to be like caricatures not really characters but archetype mm-hmm. characters without being caricatures of or being right. like comic-y at all right oh and, and yeah so that's that's one thing that I'll say uh, that you really get in that movie because it's setting it up as this is an atypical superhero movie is that nowadays um, like my friend Will talks about that after Logan came out there was this big thing about like well this is a serious movie like forget all your stupid comic book movies right, no, this is like serious this is like a western and it's like it transcends and he's like no it's just yeah, a good was, movie yeah. like can it just be a good movie um but the the thing what's interesting to me about that what about his version of it is that he seems to transcend that that idea of like I'm making this this hip thing it's more grounded than that. It's not like he was trying to make it like Daredevil or the Punisher or something. It was like this is a sh- like a very calculated movie where it's like the people are going to act the way that they would in real life, right? Not this is a, a version of reality that like is my right, cool where this, where these underground exist. thing. Right. It's more just like if this person Which is more what Logan was. Logan was right. in the Marvel universe. If we were trying to be a bit more gritty about things, this is how this would look. Mm-hmm. Right. So that so David is a dad and he has problems with his wife and it's not like he at the drop of the hat jumps out there and tries to beat muggers. Right. It's like slowly That's a very big yeah, that's a very big one of the big drama issues for him, one of the big character issues for him. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the right word for that. Anyway, <laughs> the big issue for him is him using his abilities. It's like, I really don't know that I should be responsible for this. Am I the one who's supposed to go out and do these things? But he eventually realizes he can tell, he can sense somehow. Yeah. When people are going to do horrible if things. If people touch him, he, re- he, he gets a flash of something. And it's kind of interesting because it does the way that it shows it is he starts seeing this very like it's muted 
colors, mm -hmm. but then the person who is doing something wrong, there's one color on them that is bright. Mm -hmm. So in the example, like he's a security guard, um, and and Samuel Jackson tries to use that against him mm -hmm. by saying like, "Why do you think you want to protect people?" Um, but he see it's funny because uh, M Night Shyamalan that's one of his cameos. It's a big thing if you don't know about him. That he's he does. always in all of his movies. But he plays a guy who's like dealing drugs, and so he puts drugs in a trash can, and so he sees him putting something in the trash can in this place, and so he, he like, like tracks him down. Um, but one of the uh, I was going to say one of the my favorite scenes is uh, they, they Samuel Jackson's character is so good at being this like very flawed um, and it it's interesting because it is even even though he's a, is a villain and and that I think in in other things like in like the bond movies mm -hmm. when there's a villain who's like disfigured and that like that is the one thing that sets them apart right that is annoying because they don't get much of a character right. no, apart this guy from definitely that. has other things that yeah there's there's a pathos behind his thing behind like his thing. it's it he it he definitely wouldn't be like this without his disability but he is also brilliant yeah he's brilliant he, there are um moments of in his character where he seems like a very nice guy like he's he loves his mom yeah. <laughs> so like there's other things where it's like this is more of a real yeah evil guy <laughs> like he, he, there's nothing cartoony about him, right. but there's one part where he can't get through to David, and so he's in a comic book shop, and he just keeps slamming his wheelchair, wheelchair yeah. into he's the comic book. rack, and it's such too. a unnerving thing because the because every time he hits anything, you just wince because you just know he's probably gonna break something and it's right. gonna hurt, and you're just like, stop hitting things, you're gonna kill yourself. Yeah. That uh, and the scene where he falls down the steps at the end is just so painful. Oh, yeah, yeah. So painful. <laughs> um, but it's just a really well done story. It, Like I said, it transcends the genre without being like like Kevin Smithy and like wink, right. wink. Like they're not going to put on costumes. They're not like trying to save the world. They're just mm -hmm. like, there's people doing terrible stuff next door. Maybe we should look into that. Uh -huh. like, oh, and that, not... that's another really good, that the climax of the film where he's fighting the... There's a guy who's kidnapped two girls. Yeah. That's just like... You know, that, that's probably what... That's what fighting is like. It's yeah. not like this choreographed no, thing. It's just it's like, I'm just going to keep hitting this fighting. guy until he doesn't move anymore. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all very well done. Uh, okay, so I think the next film is where we get into some of the criticisms okay. about Shyamalan. Uh, because his next one in 2002 was Signs. Right. Um, and I think the there is a so the setup basically is that there's a, a priest who lives with his um, former priest. Former, so yeah, right. Former priest who Not lives with priest, his. I guess he was Anglican. He's a minister. Oh, okay. Thank you. There you go. He obviously had children, so he's not a Catholic priest. Oh, very good. Okay, yes. <laughs> good distinction. Yeah, that, that would be weird if, yeah. Yes, yeah. So, Anglican priest um, in, like, the rural Pennsylvania He's got a cornfield. Area, right. Yeah. Uh, and he, it's his brother-in-law, right? That yeah. Joe Quinn Phoenix plays. Brother-in-law and two kids. Um, 
are there for this global event where there's these, you know, this aliens. Yeah, there's this, these uh, crop circles that are forming, and then they think they see on the news they see like their spaceship coming and stuff. Um, but this again, there's this emotional core to the story where his wife has uh, passed away. She was in this horrific car accident, and he stopped. That's why he stopped being a priest. And so more of what the um, story is about is him. He's lost his faith. And it's more about um, things happening for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so that I think that's one of the, one of the things that is, is criticized about Shyamalan. I think is the, there's kind of this, like in one sense, it's kind of like what, what I've heard about with Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan in, in something like Interstellar has these kind of grand ideas, but they're not done in the same way as other, like, more melodramatic things. Right. So, it, there's melodrama in the sense of, like, there's these big overarching scenes and ideas, and and it's it's kind of interesting because I, I, I think I write this way, too, where there's not as much of like it's it's difficult because not everybody deals with people in the same way. Mm-hmm. So I feel like because people don't really face up to their emotions most of the time, especially in like more uh, complex situations, it's much more realistic if you see a character hiding something for a little while and then something forces them to forces act. Them, yeah. Right. So, uh, it, it, to me, that's what th- this kind of comes across to is that there are uh, there's this thing that he is not forced, but he's then not dealing with, and he is now forced to deal yeah, with and it. he's now forced to deal with it. And then there's like kind of there's this kind of like quirky humor because they're the the uncle is very kind of crazy, yeah, and they're they're all they're all dealing with the fact that there's this alien stuff happening. Right. So like there's the scene with the tinfoil hats mm-hmm. and they're all like which are adorable yeah like this is going to help us um but that's the thing is that with, with us it just kind of worked with other, with other people they, they've come well so uh, the way you were saying about interstellar and having these big grand ideas that get shown in different ways uh-huh. i don't think his ideas are huge and grand necessarily i think he's mm-hmm. purposely keeping things well, very simple mm-hmm. they're, they're more abstract i should say right so they are it is, a, it is an abstract idea but i think he showed it in a very interesting way in that story. Mm-hmm. That was another one that was a very much attention to detail kind of thing. Cause you have to pay attention to a lot of the dialogue and what each of the quirks of the people are right. to understand the ending. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So for those of you who haven't seen it, there's a bunch of different, to go back to our check Spoiler alert at the beginning of this episode, because oh. <laughs> all of Shyamalan stuff, if you get no, spoiled I mean, then, on it, is we'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll just say before each one, because there's, some of these, some of these don't really have have huge twists. Yeah, but uh, if so, you don't know the one in Sixth Sense by now, that's your own fault. Yeah, it, it, so skip two minutes if you don't know the one from Signs. Signs, uh, but suffice to say, there's all these different things. Like in our checkups, got episode, we talked about pay, setup and payoff. There's it's set, up set up that one of the characters, what the the little his daughter, will start drinking glasses of water. 
and then stop halfway through and just leave them places. With all places. Over the house. And the then boy has asthma. The boy has asthma, and the uh, uncle character used to play baseball and then quit. Right. So, um, at the end of the movie, he's he is he going to get the kids asthma medicine or something? I'm trying to think of what of what the they were trying to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Because they knew they were coming, and they trap one in there. Right. So yeah. So there, there is an alien that reveals itself, and um, it the, he has this. Um, they do these poison gas things, mm-hmm. and he's trying to get the kid away from him. But he grabs the kid and tries to poison the kid. The kid's not breathing because mm-hmm. he's got asthma, so right. it's fine. Right. And um, apparently, the aliens react badly to water. Right, but so so it's it's discovered that the and and he has this flash because his, his wife before right. she died said, said stuff. Um, Rob swing away or whatever the uncle's name is. So he starts using the bat to smash the glasses of water and it, and it forces it to flee from the the house. Um, so it's it's trying to show that there are all these things that at the time don't make sense, and it's also similar in, in the way of Unbreakable where it's showing that there are all these, because like, if your daughter did that, you would just think like I'm, you would be, it would be very upsetting because yeah, you're, you're thinking like, What's like wrong with my this kid? is, yeah but it, it was trying to show that this horrible thing that happened was all part of this larger part of the plan, plan. Um, and, and it restores his faith and he goes back to the, uh, the church the church yeah um, so that's the thing is that it, it is a a very abstract thing. And, and I think that with everybody, uh, and I, that, that's another thing is because we, like we recently watched, um, what was that? Jim Henson, the dark crystal. Mm-hmm. There are certain movies that hate you at a certain time. And you're just like, screw this movie. I don't find, yeah. I'm the, I didn't sign up for this big life altering <laughs> message. Uh, and, th- and that's another thing that I've heard people say about him is that if you think that it's just going to be the genre picture, right. And then, Which I think, to some extent, whoever does his marketing yeah. needs to go away <laughs> because they tend to try. But and that's the thing him. is that it's I, I've I've heard that before too. Like people that that talk about a movie because like there have been times when there is a more thought provoking genre movie that comes out. Like oh. um, or like for example the um, there was that movie. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's a really good, like, action comedy movie. And so with that one, I don't understand how they messed it up because it's like you just put jokes in the trailer. Like, yeah, like they tried to make it seem like it was more melodramatic, right. Than it was. Uh, but then with something like this, there's not really a way. Other, like, I think at the time, they they hadn't moved forward in marketing. They couldn't. Think, they didn't know how to show it. Yeah, they didn't they really. Think. It was ahead of its time. Right. Like, they didn't I know how to do that. The sixth sense is a harder thing because it is kind of a harder thing. Uh huh. Un- un- unbreakable. Yes, that would be a very difficult one to right. market because that doesn't. It's not really a genre movie. But nowadays, but you can market it like a drama. Right. That's the. But that's the thing is that as a company, if they market it as a drama, they're thinking at the time this was the thinking. They were thinking, well, nobody, if they come in and there's ghosts, they're going to be weirded out. But then if we market it as a horror thing, so it's like they thought it was, I would think that at the time they would think 
this is a lose-lose right. because we're going to lose some audience. Side. But so. then now it's so common to have dramas that have some kind of genre angle to right. them. That and they so be able it's, to they're more confident now. about marketing things in that way. Right. Whereas at the time it wasn't as common. Yeah. So I can see, I can see somebody saying that because nowadays we're more apt to, and, and there's become this passion for dramas that do have some kind of genre thing to them. Genre thing to them. Um, yeah, and I am hoping that he does better now because of that. And I wonder mm-hmm. if he was influential on that at all because uh-huh. of the success of something like the sixth sense and unbreakable people could do crap. Like, the Shape of Water, uh-huh. and have it be a serious romance story involving the monster from the Blue Lagoon. Like, right. whoever thought that would be a possible thing, let alone something that was up for an Oscar. But it was. Right. So hopefully people will appreciate Chaimalan better now mm-hmm. because they are now more used to seeing these kinds of right. things. And, and now, like, there's now a, there's a company now called A24 mm-hmm. that, like, almost all it does is very subtle... Like they did, um, they did one called, um, what was I? Go, it was like Ghost or something, and it was about uh, a husband who dies, and then he's in a Charlie Brown <laughs> ghost costume, but it films it in like letterbox. Oh wow! And it's very much like he's sitting there watching his wife mourn, and then all of a sudden, like time starts getting faster. Mm-hmm. And so she's, like, she has somebody she's dating, and then, like, all of a sudden she has kids. And so it's, like, it's more it's more meditation on death right. rather than an actual, story. an actual genre horror. It's not right. horror no, at all. it's just a, yeah. So, like, those types of movies wouldn't exist without people like Emmett Chamberlain that were paving the way right. for to more dramatic things. things that involved ghosts or involved... Yeah. Um, genre tropes aliens <laughs> um, now uh, the next one The Village is oh, my favorite I love of his movies I love and I think this is that like there were some people that talked about like that would joke about the ending of Signs but I don't think it really got torn apart at all like I I, I personally didn't hear anybody really tear apart I, I heard a lot of people I think that's when people started talking about how they don't get it oh okay yeah, because that's I, the one I heard the most is that I don't get it. Like, what just happened in that movie? And I'm like, how did you not understand what happened in that movie? Like, okay. What's wrong with you? Well, that's funny because I, uh, my, so I think in a more general sense, now that we're uh, a little bit into this, in a more general sense, I think I've heard more of like a very hipster mentality <laughs> uh, rather than like, I don't understand this. I, this is not subtle to me. Like I'm watching this and it's like, like it's 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 kind of laughable to the person watching. Okay, I so, do know people that that kind of mock the twist thing. Right, but that's an easy thing to mock because twists are twists are. But that so that twists. that's what I'm saying in terms of like I can see coming to something and being like, well, this is stupid, and then not thinking any more about it. Right, but like with his with my, since I've been like a long time fan of his, I've come to expect a certain thing from his right. movies and from the actors in his movies yeah. from, from the script. So I'm just like, this is like, I'm in it. And so I think maybe I'm less apt to just dismiss right. 
what it is like saying. I, we come into it with our certain expectations, willing to suspend certain parts of our disbelief. With, with our, with our, and I think this is like the meaning of my like thesis for this podcast is the whole we we like the whole fringe thing. Like we we're we're we want not only to watch like a genre thing right but, but we, we, want it to we enjoy being surprised and characters and we like the twist thing and yeah we, like we enjoy being, being to figure out what the twist is going to su- be surprised by taking genre stuff and trying to turn it on its head and doing yeah. different things with something that is more recognizable whereas somebody else is going to go in and think like but i thought it was a monster why is, right. it, not like, a monster why is it not a monster movie? so that's yeah. kind of the big thing i heard about the village was uh the basic premise being that there's a uh a society that uh, is kind of like Amish living there. It's very simple. Right. Um, and there, uh, there is a blind girl. Um, let me see if I can. Ivy. Ivy. Yes. I forget the actress's name, but she's awesome. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, she's a, and she's in like Ron, Ron Howard's uh, daughter. daughter. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Br- Bryce, Bryce Dallas Howard. That's her. Yes. She's awesomeness. And the kid playing, well, and then there's Joaquin Phoenix. Who uh-huh. of course is good. Right. So and that that to me is the best aspect of the movie. Their relationship is just so sweet. Awesomeness. Yes. Uh, and that's another thing I think is that if you're like you having read like Jane Austen and stuff and, and Yeah, the whole understated repressed not really repressed. I wouldn't call them repressed. But they were well, very I mean, they, that that is kind of the point of the movie, but the 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 fact like it's not you know that they are in love with each it's other not, without them having to be passionate or right. It's not. Whatever. It's not criticized. Like there, there might be a more cynical movie that would be like these characters aren't really in love because right. this is all they know or some weird like, oh, like nihilistic thing. Yeah. But like it is genuinely they are in love and their their love transcends the the larger a theme of, of the movie. Yes. <laughs> um, and then who's the guy that plays the loony kid? The, the oh, Adrian Brody. Yes. So yeah, so that that to me is what makes this movie such a beautiful, tragic yeah. thing. So the the basic setup is that in this society, they're told that there are these things we do not speak of. Yes. That are in, the woods, in the woods. And there's some kind of weird jackal creature thing that you that they give sacrifices to, and you don't go in the woods because they're gonna get you. <laughs> And they don't like uh, you don't wear red, red, but they they like yellow. If they see yellow, I guess it then means that they're uh, like yeah, they'll leave you alone. Yeah, um, and so it's this this kind of like the romance, the things in it are just kind of that the idea is that the all of a sudden the creatures are stepping outside of their right. normal bounds. coming in and attacking the town for reasons nobody understands. Yeah, they're, they're killing animals, uh, and so so. Um, Adrian Brody plays plays this guy who has um, uh, mentally handicapped yeah. severely, and Ivy is kind of like his mentor, like her his she watches his out good for friend. him. Yeah, she watch, she watches out for him, and they're and they're close. But then she's falling in love with uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character, um, and there's kind of this setup of like her sisters getting married, and like you're saying, like these two the. Joker Phoenix isn't the type of guy to just be like, I'm in love with you. Right. So she has to kind of coax him into um, admitting his feelings. And, and That's this. a really nice conversation when they finally start talking yeah, about it. Yeah, he it's gets so, pissed off at her. Yeah, it's just like, it's, why don't you ever just shut up? It's not how he says it, but it's like, 
why don't you ever just let things be quiet and right. I can tell you, but you never stop talking. So I can't yeah. tell anything to you. It's just this, like yeah. you finally see the frustration but he's, in him. But he's really good at showing this, like, I, I, this is, there's a very specific way of going about things. Right. And I'm trying to do my best. And, but then he's like, but I, I am in love with you. And uh, like, it, it's his specific yeah. way of saying it. And then she's like, oh, okay. Um, but it's also really, so what, what makes it so like Shakespearean to me is that uh, you, so uh, well, something happens where, um, uh, oh, so a- a- Adrian Brody corners Joaquin Phoenix. Because and, he is in love with Ivy too. Yeah, it's like he, so you you find out like through Shyamalan's really good directing that he knows like he's a mess. And he comes in the Joaquin Phoenix comes in the room and he's telling him like it's okay, like it's not gonna like try to comfort him right. and being apologetic for it. And then all of a sudden Adrian Brody's just stabbing him. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, oh my god, where did it even come from? And so in order to save his life, uh Ivy has to go into the woods. Right. And that's when you find out they're not Again, actually spoiler it's, alert. It's not the eighteen hundreds or whatever you thought it was. You were actually mm-hmm. in the middle of the woods in modern Pennsylvania on a reserve mm-hmm. somewhere. And so the larger theme then becomes that there's a group of people who had so many tragic things happen to them that they decided this type of living is actually what's gonna fix yeah. So the what to me is so beautiful about this is that they they thought like so many of these societies do, and we talked about this kind of in our last episode about Handmaid's Tale, is that they tried to create a society in which it was completely innocent. Right. And their idea as history professors, which which most of them are from like this one history department, they thought, well, if we make things like they used to be, then we'll be okay. Yeah. Like it won't be affected by the city and things like that. But even this, even the one you thought was the most innocent character in the movie. Yes. Because, oh, how can he be anything bad? He's right. mentally disabled. He's right. like a kid. He's like all this stuff. And, oh, he's the one that ends up being the psycho murderer. Right. And he's <laughs> been... The whole thing. And he's embodied this monster that they've created. Right. So all the things you discover that We're going the wrong. person that's been going around killing animals and things was this guy. He used this kind of as like this weird avatar that he's like i'm gonna go around and just do all this stuff so um first of all like that's kind of that's a very brave thing i think for a any writer to do because it's kind of like with with him and with ivy they're both disabled Mm -hmm. characters who like get to be like he gets to be be evil even though he is mentally and she is is given all this agency of like, I'm going to be the one because yeah. I don't, I'm not scared of this thing. Um, and so it's a really like, like that's, that's the characters are what make it my favorite of his things. Um, now I had, I had an English teacher that said that she watched this movie and all that she could think about was Scooby-Doo <laughs> because you find out that it's not, there's not even, it's not even like they set up, like stuffed animals of this creature or something like no, they, it's just they, a costume. Some of the people actually have costumes that they wear. And... Yeah. Um, so the, when she found out what the twist was, she just immediately thought of like 
like it's oh it's old father right. Nelson right. dressed up like a ghost. There's actually a couple relationships in that that I like. Mm-hmm. You find out that um oh yeah what's their yeah, names yeah. which one's yeah Ivy's father. Yeah, so Ivy's father, father is in love with somebody with, with, with the leader of the council or whatever. Uh-huh. But because of the nature of the society that they have set up, he cannot acceptably do anything about it because mm-hmm. he's married. Right. So rather than, you know, start an affair with her or anything, he does what he can. He gives her what he can. Mm-hmm. But that's all he can do. And he actually says that at some point in the movie. It's like, this is all I can do. But you get the idea that they both now understand how mm-hmm. he feels about her. Right. Which I thought was a really neat way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I'm, I'm into the whole repressed emotional whatever uh-huh. thing. <laughs> well, it's, it, what's interesting is that what that does is, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of, it's an interesting thing because, like, in one sense, having, not having those restrictions, characters are able to say, like, we're able to get more from a character that can express themselves yeah. fully. But at the same time, the that kind of setup of a Victorian thing or something set up in an Amish society or whatever, um, those restrictions force the character to very eloquently yes. <laughs> express you have to, the you very have to get deep more emotions. creative and more yeah. Right. So the the direction and the yeah, um, just the level, the level of acting and the way that I just love all of mm-hmm. there's so many good scenes in there. Right. And so this is probably the worst in terms of the what you were talking about with the marketing problem, because you have to sell it as this monster movie. Right. But the very nature of the twist right. is it's there is no monster. monster. Um but it's it's interesting to me that nowadays, because of how popular all of these very understated like sci-fi and fan and fantasy and horror movies are that it, that he wasn't more that he didn't become more of like, Oh, finally our, our great shepherd has come right. to bring us all these good, like Amazing that things. to me is such a powerful, like the, j- this stabbing scene is like a horror thing. Yeah. Like that's not, that is, is still horror. Yeah, I that is more horrifying to me than a than a set up horror movie. Yeah, than a more tropey horror movie. Uh-huh. Because it's, yeah, it, like it is, I don't like it's not. I don't know how you could go in that and think that this is going to be like Anaconda. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not. No, because even the marketing for like I went to the movie's website. I don't usually go to movie websites, uh-huh. but I went to the movie's website for that one. That movie's website was terrifying. <laughs> like I was at work and I brought it up, so I had my headphones in, and there is like heavy breathing going on in your ears and <laughs> flashing on your screen. And you're like, what the heck is this? So I think like I can see because that, I, I mean, it's happened to me before where there's been a monster movie that has done some kind of thing. But the thing is that if it, if it hasn't done enough, if it hasn't earned right. the reveal that there is no monster that I can understand more. But I think this totally earns it. Yeah. Um, and then like there could even be something like there's a movie now on um I showed you the um uh the Netflix picture of that weird Loki monster. Uh-huh. So that it's there's a movie called The Ritual. And what that that movie is very much in the same vein as like a Shyamalan thing because it's set there's this emotional core to it where this guy uh could have saved his friend from getting shot 
Um, and you get the idea that it's very much more him dealing with his guilt about this thing. And so there is a monster that reveals itself, but it's much more metaphorical and it follows his own emotional journey throughout the thing where like it's him. Finally, he's able, he redeems himself by defending his friends and stuff like that. Um, so like the setup to that, even though there is a monster nowadays, if you don't have some kind of emotional core to the story, right. then you're not going to be able to please the critics or anything because the, um, they're going to expect some kind of deeper character-based thing that isn't as um, dependent on the creature design or something, right. like, that. something like that. So it, it is, it's an interesting thing because I, I haven't, I can understand in terms of marketing, expecting a monster movie. Uh, but at the same time, like I can't really ex- understand going to see it and, and being disappointed after the first you know, hour and fifteen minutes that there's not monster because of the world that it's set up. Right. Uh, to me, it's it's much more rich than that. Um, so now we're getting into more of the. No, I can understand why this wasn't as 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 popular uh, as popular. I still love some of the next ones, but I can understand why other people were like, "Wait, what's going on now?" <laughs> so the uh, lady in the water. I liked Lady in the Water a lot. Oh, not quite as much as the village, but I liked it a lot. I think probably. It's it's kind of interesting because between that and the happening, I think the happening didn't didn't work the way that he wanted it to. Yeah, with the the way that the scares were set up, because um, it's definitely hard to watch because of what's happening in it. But so the the lady in the water, there's this sea nymph that comes out of the pool in this apartment this complex. Apartment complex, and it's it, a very fun. All, all of it is actually based on stories that he would tell his kids right. before going to bed. Um, so it's this kind of fantasy world that, that comes, and that's that's kind of a cool urban fantasy thing yeah. where it's this. And I, like, just, I like the whole angle of they're trying to figure out the story so that they can help her. Like they know it's a, it's a fit. They know it's a fairy tale and they need uh-huh. to figure out how the fairy tale is supposed to end so right. they can help her. So they go to a critic <laughs> Like a like a literary critic, and he's telling them all this stuff, and everything he tells them is wrong. Right. So they finally go to like, you know, the old granny character, or the um, is it Shyamalan or his sister? It's Shyamalan's character that uh-huh. actually knows what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a mixture of people that get together. Yeah. So that that's another interesting thing about it, and that's one thing I think that works about the movie is that it tries to show how everybody has their little. Like it's very idealistic in the sense that it's like everybody has their part to play. Yeah. You you need to do your part. And what it's trying to show is that these little gifts that they all have are important. And so one of them does crossword puzzles right. and puzzles in the, the back of the kid that cereal boxes. the cereal boxes. And so he he's sees like, messages in cereal yeah, boxes. Yeah, so he's and that, like, that is so develops adorable. into more of like a prophecy like runes thing. Right. Where he's like, and so you're gonna go here. And then, so he's like translating for or them. Or the, the sisters that have magic, or the, I forget something about the, the quiet guy that doesn't want to talk. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a whole bunch of different things of. There's the a guy that works out one of his arms. To, yeah, well, only one arm, not the other one. Like, it's just quirky stuff. Yeah. But it's it all makes sense in the sense in the context of the fairy tale. It's just, it's pretty good. Yeah. 
So the that the plus I love Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think the the one thing that I've heard people criticize is that they don't like the thing where it's like if the so there's this one scene where it's it's the is the guy the guy that Shyamalan is playing is this writer who is like a failed writer. It's like I've nothing I write is good. But then um he's told by the water nymph that you're gonna write something that's gonna unite the world like the world or something. And so a lot of people have used that to say that Shyamalan is full of himself and that this is what he thinks of him. Um I don't I think that's more what he thinks of writers. Right. That that was my reading of it was that like this is his message to artists. Yeah. He's playing the character, but that's because uh, he saw he see he sees himself in this category. As one of those people. Yeah. So that's the thing that and that's it's the thing, it's a part of his writing that I've identified with because he is very idealistic in his writing. It's right. That that's probably another reason we like not, these. These are not nihilistic stories. Yeah. Th- these it's, are not it's very things. Yeah, it's very much like very hopeful in its in its thing. Like if people do their part this will actually be a much better world. Right. Um, so that's a lot of his points that he's making are very much like these abstract kind of things where he's like trying to make this more deep, thoughtful statement by using these characters. So that I give him credit for that as like, I don't really think he was saying I'm the best one ever. Yeah. He's he trying to say that like, if somebody who is an artist really takes the time to develop their craft, then you don't know that you don't know the impact that you're having on the people that read your stuff. Um, So, you know, stop hiding in the corner, (laughs) Um, that kind of thing. Um, So, and, and then I think the more of the, um, the, so that there's been this criticism of like, um, like take like a Michael Bay, Mm -hmm. Michael Bay, does these big like two and a half hour robot movies. Um, and they, they, because of his success, they, people say that like producers should be like reining him back because if you're a critic and you're sitting there watching, having to watch it, you're just like, I don't like, I know people are paying to see this. I think that they would like it a lot more if it was an hour and a half. Yeah. And, and it like make, actually make it shorter, and it actually had characters. Human being characters. If they didn't think that women were like replaceable from yeah. one movie to another. Right. Like that nice. kind of so like in the same way, I think people were thinking that because this is such a personal story to him, not everybody saw it in the way that we right. did. And so they were thinking like, I don't know who the audience for this is. And so I can understand, even though I did enjoy it, I could see how, one, I think his other stuff was probably a little bit stronger. Yeah. And and more easily accessible. Accessible. It was, it, that's to a hard one to, to um, understand. But that one I can understand people not getting. Right. Um, that was the first time I was like, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of people that have no idea what's going on in this movie. And then, oh, and then the other, the other thing I heard about this movie was the. Uh, the they thought that the critic was pretty much a like a way of a middle finger to critics of him. Maybe, but I'm I'm willing to give him a pass for that because any writer who can be that creative about making fun of your critics <laughs> gets. I, I think that's I think that's the part. The thing is that if you're if people were already during the village thinking like I don't know if this guy is is really hitting all on all cylinders, 
that I think that was a, a thing that started to creep into the critics' view. Right. And so when they saw that, they were just like, oh, screw you. Right. Like, you can't take, like, a, a you know, a, anybody criticizing your stuff. It's like, no, so the critics but, don't understand my stuff. <laughs> like, but that's the thing is that for the fans of his, I think they were willing to forgive that because, A, they thought it was, like, I thought it was funny. Yeah. And two, at the, in the same way, I don't think the writer was supposed to be him. Right. The critic, I think, was more a, 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 an example of bad. Critics. A comment, yeah, a commentary on somebody that is looking at art and is jaded by it. It's like oh, this again. I don't know. Yeah. These these people that don't don't go to a thing in order to enjoy it. They go to put it in its box and think, well, this is one of those crappy things. You know. Like right. it's a very much more of like an anti-fatalist right. thing. Um, yeah. So the, I, the all I'll say about that happening <laughs> is that I saw an interview with him where he said he had this idea of you go throughout your life and you think that not like nothing's going to change or that the um, you have forever to to do what you want or get what you want, but then he had this idea of like, what if there was this couple and they knew for a fact we're going to die. <laughs> so what's interesting is that kind of like we were talking about with my writing, I just finished a short story. Sometimes if you don't do everything to earn, if you're, you're writing more in generalities, I think that was one problem with their, their, their so there's a married couple in it and they're having relationship problems. They're kind of vague, though. I was gonna say I didn't know that was supposed to be the point of that movie. Yeah, all. so that's so the mark mark one. I don't think the character work was done in it really very well, as well as the other things he's done. But then the general the general plot of it is that their plants are starting to revolt against humanity, and I personally think that he was trying to be funny. That he didn't. He wanted it to be freaky, but not. Not as disturbing as it ended up as, being. As evidenced by the visit now in Split, right, right. I think that he is more able to be meta and and have something that is uncomfortably funny than people gave him credit for right. at the time. But that one, that was too much. Well, yeah. So the the, the thing is that this the I don't think it was executed so that people knew whether they should be laughing or right. not. And so it was very off-putting to a lot of people, yeah. my, myself included. But then Plus when it I had got, to be suicide. Like really? Like you couldn't have come up like that's that's one that one that's giving me the same feeling as it had the, the interstellar ending, like a bookcase. Like really Right, yeah, and that's, so I was like, that goes to my really? thing with that was the the means of conveying the information did not honor what you were setting up. Yeah. And so maybe what might have been better is if it was more of a campy the like the trees are, are actually trying, trying to kill to you. Grab you. That would have been funny. That would have been funnier. It would have um, been creepy, but not as disturbing as I'm just going to lay down under this lawnmower now. Like that's that was like Twilight Zone level disturbing. Uh -huh. Without it, I don't think he meant it to be. Yeah, and I think that the if you were like the the fact that I think that there were things set up more to be funny than to be seriously uh, thrilling or scary. I think that. The, the theme that he was going for with the main characters didn't line up with that. Yeah. And so that was also confusing because there is a scene when they think, okay, we're going to die. And so they finally like kiss and are just like, 
let's just get over ourselves and admit that we like each other. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a lot of things in that movie that didn't work. And I think with anybody that is as prolific as he is, you're going to have one that just doesn't, yeah, that just doesn't, work. doesn't connect on those levels. And I think we're, you know, people that even his fans are willing to admit that that's not his best movie. Yeah. No. Um, I didn't even actually finish watching it. Cause I was just like, I can't with this one. So yeah, so we'll just do the the rest of his original movies because he did after that he did the Last Airbender, which has its own. We'll thing. talk about that Other later issues. at a later date. Um, after Earth, that was a Will Smith, really his story. He brought it to Shyamalan, right. and he wanted him to make it for him. Um, but then the next film he did was The Visit. Who? <laughs> which? Who boy? Like I was saying. So. This is why you know we shouldn't let him do actual horror movies, because holy crap. But that's this the nuts. that's the funny thing about it is that it is so it's it's Jason Blum produced it. It's a, a Blumhouse, if you don't know, uh-huh. it's a, is a major production. They're the people that did Paranormal Activity. Okay. So since then they've been the name in low budget art. And so because he had a couple flops, um, he was just like, Let me give you a chance. To do to do something low budget, and try to get back, try to get your group back. Um, and I think you really knocked it out of the park. Oh yeah, because at this at as first of all, what he was if he was trying to be comedic with the happening, he nailed that tone oh, yeah, in that movie. Totally nailed the tone of that movie. Because the 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 basic premise is that the. Uh, these two, um, a boy and a, a and his, his sister. Uh, older sister, um, are staying with their grandparents while their mother is out with their, um, is it is it like a new boyfriend that she so. has? Yeah. So and they haven't. She hasn't talked to their parents in a long time. So the grand the kids don't really know them at all. Right. And so, but then you learn that the 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 grandmother yes. has uh, it's called sundowning. Yes. And so she kind of goes nuts after dark sun goes down. Um, and, but that, but, but like, because it's, this uh, is more than Alzheimer level nuts. This is like, like, I'm afraid she's going to stab us in the middle of the night. Nuts. Right. But so that's the, what's interesting about it is that you're not sure. Like first, because she's so like what one night the boy goes out and she's naked and clawing at the door. And so he's like, so it's funny because he's just like I my, I want to yeah. bleach my eyes, oh, no. <laughs> but then like the what's funny about it is like is she like a werewolf? Yeah, it's like what's like going on your here? kind of your mind is going through all the all these possibilities. possibilities. What's going on with this um, woman? And then and then they start hinting that there's something wrong with the grandfather, right? Because like it looks like he's trying to kill himself, right. and then it's like I'm just cleaning my gun. Um, but what's what's interesting about that is that he's using the anxiety of these kids that don't know anything about old people to make you uneasy. And so part of you is laughing yeah. because you're like, there's some crazy silly. Things it's these happen. kids reacting yeah. honestly to this thing. And, and the then kids are, the kids are great. The boy with this little weird rap thing. Yeah. He yeah. Does and like, it's really good. So that's stuff. another thing is that it, it, it's probably the most, um, because like most of his other movies are characters dealing with loss or, these deep psychological things, the fact that these kids are just kids 
it's probably the most readily accessible emotional. And I mean, they have some issues too. Like you see that they're dealing with. Things, oh right, right. But it's not like as heavy as some of the. Other and, yeah, and like kids are resilient, so yeah. it does that thing of like you can relate to them very easily. Um, but and and they're 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 comedic moments. But then when it when it demands for them to be more. Have it be more dramatic, and they they really do oh, yeah. a good job. And there's so so they uh, um, the, the thing goes on, and then there's this real creepy scene the, where the grandmother's telling them this yeah, story. Like she she the older sister is recording a documentary, yeah, and she's very there's kind of this cutesy like art student right film Five student thing. thing where she's like she's very hipstery throughout the whole thing, but then she's interviewing her grandmother. And she's telling this completely normal story. Yeah, it's something about this lake that they used to go to. And then to, she's and like, and then really the nice aliens. That live in the bottom of the lake. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, whoa. What it's did she so, just say? The actress is so good. Yeah, and just going just, straight like, into it like it's a totally normal part act, of the story. And acting like it's normal. And, then and the, the granddaughter's like trying not to run away screaming. Yeah. And it's fantastic. <laughs> That's really good. That's a really good scene. Uh, but then it's, it's set up... Um, I think somehow towards the beginning that the, oh, instead of cursing, the boy will say, um, like president's names yeah, or, or something, something. some like weird kind of kooky, like, like idiosyncratic thing that he does. And you get like that. That's another interesting thing about Shyamalan as a writer is that there's a, a lot of scenes of, they're kind of conservative characters. Right. And more reserved, I guess, characters. And so, whether that's from trauma or that's you know, like in the village, it's they're pretty much Amish. Um, there's this thing of like the daughter later on says like, and it was the first time my mom ever swore at me, and it was like a traumatic thing right. to have his, her mom talk to her that way. Uh, but there's a scene at the end, yeah, because they find out that not only are these not their grandparents, because they just got dropped They've off. Never met any and, of these kids, yeah. Um, they uh, are people that escaped from an asylum. asylum, and that their parents are now in pieces, and their grandparents are now in pieces, and yeah. been in the basement. Because, like, and that scene, the way they do that reveal, like, I was to- I totally didn't see it coming. Hmm. And they're like talking on the video phone to their mom, and they say, "Oh yeah, you know, they're outside," and they show them the people, and they're like, "Okay." Who are those people? Because those aren't your grandparents. And they're like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> Just like, get out of the house. Get out of the house now. <laughs> like, yes. So, the, so uh, they set up that the um, that the grandfather has been saving his diapers. Yes. Because he's incontinent. Oh, and the boy, the other thing with the boys is very OCD. Yeah. So, and he, yeah. And so he has a thing about germs. So there's a scene involving the diaper and him. Oh, so That's gross. this gross and it's it's you don't know whether he's like you don't know where the scene's gonna end. Yeah. And just keeps going on. And so when the when the boy uh finally like gets over on him and is like he pushes him into the fridge and then he's just banging, banging. his head and swearing at the top of his lungs, it it's it, it's like the best catharsis ever. Yeah, like it's a big dramatic cathartic thing Release and it, for this kid and it yeah and it, and it it's very realistic in terms of like that it's it sets it up well where it's like yeah i think at that point yeah, you would that, just kind of lose all of your yeah um i think a lot of it was them 
learning to deal with their anger. Uh-huh. I think that's what the, what the main thing right. was. How right. to deal with their anger at their mother, at life in general at the moment, because mm. the kid obviously had problems with the, yeah. with his anger. And then finally, at the end, they're like, yeah, no, we're done. This is done. We're done. We're getting out of here. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and so that it, it was it was like the re- the triumphant return of, yes, of M. Night Shyamalan after so some movies that got criticized for terrifying. not even many reasons necessarily that were his fault. Right. He was uh, allowed to do this kind of lower budget movie and, and um, you know, really like take the time to make this like, you know, um, in the style, because there's there's a lot of things that are very kind of like Jason Blumey stuff because mm-hmm. it's like uh, shaky cam yeah. stuff. It's like so it's it's using these kind of different conventions in a different way because like you said, like I'm saying, he's using this thing of like I don't know what's going on with these people, and um, that there's so it's kind of funny at the same time as it is frightening, um, and then there but there's still that emotional. Thing underneath it, like you're saying about dealing with anger and uh, dealing with with family and and stuff like that, um, that you get through it. The last one that he put out is Split. No, we skipped one. Did we skip? We didn't talk about Devil. Oh, that's true. Not that we had to say a whole ton about Devil. Devil, I just like because it's the most Hitchcock. Oh, because he didn't. Because he didn't direct it. No, he wrote it. Yeah. So what? Let me see what the credit says. It's story by oh. him. So what happened was uh, that was another thing because that was that was really the first time his name was attached to something after the last Airbender and the happening and um, after Earth. So what happened was there was this idea that he had to do rather than just directly involve himself with movies. He thought, well, what I'll do is I'll come up with a story, give it to another director, and have them develop the script and the Stop. actual do the actual shooting and it was going to be M night productions okay. and it was going to be heavily promoted as this is a story by this character, by this, you know, writer director, but he's not the one. So he thought maybe that might give his name, I guess, credence again. Right. Get back into um, the- it, thinking about it as a career move, it might just also be that he wanted to do, he wanted to see what that was like to produce something. Um, but that was something that he came up with this story where it's it's a very Hitchcocky thing of a setup where it's a elevator. On an elevator, and one of them happens to be the devil. Yeah, okay, and one of them is possessed. Go, <laughs> like right. seriously. And I just liked the whole large amounts of scenes happening in the dark and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And the yeah, I thought I thought it was well it was well done uh, for for what I, again it it's not. But I think, I think he is of the two. So it was directed and written by, or let me see if he also got the writing credit on this. Oh, okay, so Brian Nelson is the screenwriter, and um, John Eric Dowdle, interesting name, uh, was the director of of Devil. So I think M Night Shyamalan is uh, superior in terms of his craft, but it was it was executed well. Yeah. Like the the and it did, and it did have because there there there's the one uh, stereotypically superstitious right Catholic Spanish Catholic right. person and so he says like that when the jelly falls when the toast falls jelly side down <laughs> you know that that's what, what El Diablo and so like it has those moments of like 
in this thing where somebody's suggesting that the devil is on an elevator, right. there's going to be these moments of like, you're full of crap. Yeah, like, yeah, what are you talking whatever. about? Um, but it does, it sets it up in your, what you're saying with the, how it's like the lights get turned off and all you hear is this Stuff noise. Around, and then yeah. all of a sudden somebody's bleeding from their arm. Right. And dying on this elevator. Then it's like, it's, it's, um, real creepy. Oh, okay. So the director of the Devil also directed, um, Quarantine. It was a movie with uh, the girl from Dexter. Uh, okay. And and it's kind of notorious because so yeah. So some of these are kind of middling horror. So there was As Above, So Below, and Quarantine are from his credits. Things that are recognized. Um, but Quarantine is is kind of notorious because the the poster and the trailer show you the last scene of the movie. And it's kind of like she gets dragged off, oh. and that's the end of the movie. So it's kind of made fun of, right. I think, for that. Like, I don't know. There might be a, a fans of it, but um, I think it kind of got banned. Um, but I, I thought I thought that was a good one, and it, and it was uh, interesting to see another director handle right. handle his story, his story. Um, and it, and it did have that kind of underlying emotional thing about forgiveness. Yeah, uh, that was that was I thought well done. Um, but then, uh, after the visit, he, he's critically received again, and people are really looking forward to a new thing, and boy, did he use that. Oh, man. Holy mackerel. So, so he, uh, came up with this, this idea where there's a character who has, this is, now it's called Disassociative Identity Disorder. I learned that because it's like, what they're trying to educate people with and trying to um, with people that have this disorder, they're trying to get them to realize you don't have multiple pe- no. people in your head. You are dividing your head up. Yeah, you are artificially using these defense mechanisms to say like this is how I deal with this stuff. Being that I like all of my RPG characters and consider them alternate personalities, I totally understand this disorder. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, <laughs> doing it on intentionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, it- <laughs> but that's that's what's interesting about it, and I think. There were some people that were, and you get this a lot with horror movies, is that like there's a very fine line between using this as a showing somebody that is has this thing and trying to do it justice, and at the same time showing this is a horror movie villain. Yeah. So it, I think, what's interesting about his screenplay is. It seems like he very well does. He toes the line very well because what he's showing is that, like, so for example, there's a lot of stuff in it that's played for laughs because this character is using all these uh, personalities as a defense mechanism because he went through trauma yeah. as a child. He was severely like abused by his mom. So it's what it's trying to set up is that he has a lot of characters that are funny and. What's what's interesting about it is that uh, I think what rather than exploiting this thing, what he's showing you is how people realistically behave when they have this kind of thing. Like they're using it as a defense mechanism, and so there are some characters who are really affable and fun to be right. around. Then there are ones that are severely pathological yes. and really get off on manipulating other people. And so what it's trying to do is it's taking 
this very realistic problem and showing you the taking it to this dramatic and like almost su- like supernatural yeah. level. Um, because so do you think? Because also the big reveal. Well, there's two reveals in this one actually. Because there's um, somewhat of a twist, and then there's the ending. That's like yeah. so he what? he kidnaps the basic setup is that he kidnaps uh, three friends. Three yeah, three friends. But one who is uh, for reasons that you don't know at the beginning of the movie is kind of an outcast, and she's invited to this party as just kind of like a charity right. thing. Uh, so it's three or four girls. Three, I think it's three. Okay. I don't know. I don't know because I, I there might be one I think that gets killed pretty quickly or something, but I'm not. I'm I was because uh, I thought because of how they get in the car, like there, he gets in the seat that's empty. So I oh right, right, like right. People, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, anyway so he kidnaps these girls mm-hmm. and keeps them in the basement and starts like sacrificing them, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, because his 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 thing is that well, you're seeing these different personalities, but. They're all saying that the there's this beast, and the um, because of the his psychologist is trying to write and research about uh, this disease, the this dissociative identity disorder. She's trying to say that it can actually get to the point where it changes your You're physically biology. But what what was interesting about it was that there's this kind of underlying, more abstract metaphor where it's saying people that go through very traumatic things are stronger because they go because through they it. Went through it yeah. And so what's interesting is that, um, and we'll talk about more about this later, is that the unbreakable, the same thematic thing that set up an unbreakable is, is in flows into this where he's saying that there are people that, uh, Make their trauma makes them stronger because they become pathological, right. <laughs> and there are people whose trauma makes them stronger because they become heroes, right? And so uh, she, you find out, was abused by her uncle, which, as an uncle, was so hard <laughs> to to yeah. watch. Um, but uh, it, it, her story is is such an amazing thing once you realize what what happened to her. It being able to come out of this, and then her uncle comes to pick her up. Yeah, and she's like, and she's finally, yeah, no, I'm not going no, home with you, buddy. No. Um, because her her father died. Yeah, you find out, and so her uncle um, now has custody of her. Now has custody of her. It's terrifying. Yeah. So the other girls get sacrificed, but she is allowed to live because the whole point of this dude's psychosis mm-hmm. is you should you have to go through suffering, right? And if you have not gone through suffering, you're not strong enough to live. Mm-hmm. But he realizes she's been abused. He sees the marks on her and says, you've been marked already. I don't have to do anything to you. Right. And it was this really interesting. Because mm-hmm. like, I like when people keep them keep insane people internally consistent. Because they are. They're mm-hmm. not consistent with you. Right. They're in their own reality. But their reality is internally consistent. Right. <laughs> And then he managed to do that. I was hoping for a little bit more of the physical alterations uh-huh. on him. Like, I was hoping something a little more over the top would happen. Uh-huh. But it was still really creepy, and he became this thing that could, like, climb <laughs> that, walls. That's the stuff. funny thing about me and Melissa is that we're like, no, give no, him no, a vampire fangs. Claws I want and stuff st- that comes out of yeah. his back. Like, I want to yeah. see stuff happen. Yeah. Whereas other people are just like, oh, no, this is really, like, like no, we don't need this. This is, is really fun. understated. Yeah. It's like, no, I want. 
I wanted that one. But then it's James McAvoy. And I love James McAvoy. <laughs> because I believe well, And you didn't love him before. Anything. <laughs> like, he is the most, one of the most believable actors hmm. I have ever seen. Right. And I was really happy that they picked him to play the young Charles Xavier, too, because I'm like, I'm never going to believe anybody's the young Patrick Stewart. But yeah. him, I believed, was the young Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was great. Uh-huh. And yeah, and it, it shows his versatility because he plays... So many different people. <laughs> uh, uh, like a little boy. And a woman. He plays, like, this matronly severe, yeah. woman. He plays a, like, gay um, fashion designer. Right. That, who's, like, very, like, flamboyant and, like, trying to be fun. Um and that's that's his like, it's it's so interesting because he's like using that character to diffuse situations. Like nothing bothers me, I'm fine. And the the psychologist has to keep pushing and like, no, I know something's yeah, wrong. Yeah, like come on. And then finally, there's this other one that's that's probably the closest one to the more uh, closer to the pathological one because that's another thing is that the. The matronly character is also kind of pathological, but in a very different way. Yeah. The male one is this guy that's like he dresses very neatly, and he is very organized. He's like OCD, yeah. And he has, um, he he's very like emotionless mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, so there's there's those two characters, but then there's other ones that are more uh, fond and and likable and stuff like that. And so that one is the one she talks to when when she talks about other times when he's acted out and, uh, you know, gone more to that level of abuse of other people and and trying to manipulate other people. Um, But then at the end of the movie, another kind of, there's two kind of spoilers. One is funny to me because it's the very, this is kind of a more subtle thing in the movie where, uh, you find out that the basement is in the in the bottom of the Philadelphia Zoo. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's it's saying that he developed his uh, personalities based on animals, and it was an interesting thing because it's like it's not very overt, right? But you you can think, oh well, maybe the kid acts kind of like a monkey, right? And <laughs> um, the woman is very like hawkish or you know stuff like that. Um, but then the biggest one is that after at the very very end. You there, it switches to a diner, and you see that Bruce Willis's character Dave from the Unbreakable Universe, which you don't even know is in the same thing. Right. Um, he sees it on TV and sees that the guy escaped custody, right? The main villain. Um, so you're thinking, oh, he's oh, gonna go so after him. Bruce Willis's superhero character is gonna go take down mm-hmm. this thing. So now the next one he's developing, Glass. Is kind of like so cool. set up, yeah. It's set up to be kind of like a Silence of the Lambs type thing where he goes to Mr. Glass and says, you know, is trying to find this guy, right? And is trying to discover, like, they're have to work together kind of thing. But then it also seems like rather than a voluntary thing, it's like they're all. Well, no, there's like put, some kind of government agency that is now finding out that these people exist, right. And it's and like you're gonna help us find them. Yeah. So now, yeah. So now it's much more like they're being analyzed. Yeah. Um. And and thought of as being mentally ill, but then I I'm assuming we'll show right. like no, no this no, is no, this this going is on happening. Um. But it it was so cool to me that they number one it's unbreakable and split, which is a genius kind of yes. thing. But the thematically, it's drawing on the same um 
he's building on the same ideas of like that they're being uh, these people are this way because trauma has happened right and so it, it can lead it can very easily lead to pathological behavior or heroic behavior and it's trying to analyze yeah, what the differences exactly in these two types of people um, and and even when like and that that's one of my favorite things and it's something it's why movies like the social network are so cool to me is because it shows that so many people in the world talk about you know oh trump is an idiot like no trump is evil <laughs> like if there is things wrong about him right. it should be more because not because he is not good at what he does right. but it's because he's an adult and he knows what he's doing right. and, it, and he's wrong. doing it anyway um so that's that's the, a mistake that people make is they think that intelligence yeah, always people's... necessitates uh virtue right and it's nonsense and so what what Mr. Glass does and what Mark Zuckerberg and in that version of this, his life story is showing is that this person is intelligent, but they don't, but they're, they're acting in this kind of sociopathic yeah. way. And my favorite, uh, or they're manipulating people. Argue about that. There's this interesting book called Socrates meets Jesus. Uh-huh. And it's like using the logical arguments that Socrates was fought famous for, like the questioning way of, making mm-hmm. an argument um, to like pick apart modern uh, liberal theology. Uh-huh. And so Socrates wakes up in the basement of a liberal theological university uh-huh. and meets this professor and everybody's all excited. Cause like, we were at Socrates. Like let's introduce him to all this cool stuff we know now that he didn't know and all this stuff. Uh-huh. So she takes him to a vending machine and gets him a candy bar. And he's like, wow, these are really good. Are these like really good for you? And she's like, no, not really. It's like, but but you have like a whole machine full of them. <laughs> if this isn't good for your body, why are you eating this? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, and it's just that simple of an argument. You know it's wrong, and you do it anyway. Right. Stop uh-huh. trying to pretend that that means you're stupid. You're uh-huh. not. Uh-huh. You, you're you're you are making bad choices. Uh-huh. Right. This is a moral thing. Uh-huh. It's nothing to do with your intelligence level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I think that's that's uh, to to wrap up. That's kind of what makes his movies interesting is that there is kind of this ethos to them where you're, it's doing these very simple uh, morality tales and using the trappings of these different genres in order to tell a story. And so with, for some people they're on the level of, I expected this one genre thing. I didn't get it. So I don't, I don't want to bother with. I'd rather just get my Godzilla movies or whatever. Right. Like, not not to mock them, but like I can understand not having a taste for, for those, that kind of that thing. kind of thing. Yeah, and and you might not even just want to see that type of thing all the time. Right, you might want to watch it. Yeah, because some of them are a little deep, and you might need to like, all right, now I need something fluffy. Yeah, yeah. um, well, and we we do that a lot yeah. with, with different things that we watch. Um, but then uh, on the other side, there are people that we uh, have we just groan when we read criticism like this, where they're, they're looking for something deeper than this traditional moralistic story. And it's something that we enjoy and write and like, like, like having this kind of, because what, what, what I like about these types of things is that they heighten the impact of, what would be a very traditional right. type of story. You're right. taking it and by making an evil person it's, a monster. 
Yeah. You're showing, you're, you're causing the impact, the visceral impact of the type of actions that this person is doing. And it, it's, it's making... It's almost like he writes parables. Mm-hmm. Almost. Not quite that ambiguous. It's not that allegorical. They're uh-huh. really good stories and the people are very real in them. Right. But it is also the point of what he's trying to get across is very... And as I, I want to watch, kind of he thing. did, before uh, all of his more mainstream movies, he did a movie called um, Praying Angry, I think. No. Um, and I, I, what's interesting is that as Christians, it's very easy to um, invest yourself in his stories because they're, like you're saying, very similar to like parables. But it's interesting because I, uh, I think he comes from uh, the background of somebody who was raised in a very traditional Hindu family, oh. but then found Catholicism. And as an as an artist, in addition to that, he's using all these things in very more embellished stories. So it's a very it's a very interesting journey because when he was doing um, the village, he's using a very Christian type of thing, but his influences were more of like his mother telling him like, "Well, if you don't pray, this weird Indian demon right, is going to get you. you." So it's like there's it's it's very interesting the layers of that type of thing and and everybody it's um it it is interesting that it, it's been more um and it, it might just be the, the time that he was making them but is it is much more traditional and and accessible for an american yeah, cuz it feels so much like now in order to be in the hip vibe or whatever you have to be making something about social issues mm. or you have to make something about yeah um, we're a very political right society like if something has to be a political commentary it has to be deep and edgy and grim and mm. blah 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 and i'm like no i don't like that i know yeah. there are social issues this is not the problem yeah like so for example i just showed Melissa a trailer for a movie called tyrell and uh, it said it was the the answer to get out and then there's another there's another quote about it that was saying it's like the most terrifying non-horror movie yeah. um, that they'd ever seen. But to me, it just looks like a bunch of frat boys that invite a black guy to their house to party over the weekend. And in the same, and like, I can understand because I'm handicapped or for there to be like, I, I don't, I don't feel safe because I don't know if I can do all the stuff yeah. that these guys are going to do. So like, imagine me going like, kayaking or something and I'm like I can't keep See, up. The thing with that though bugs me. But it, well, my point was it's it it looked like microaggressions in the movie. Yeah. Like the terrifyingness of it is supposed to come from all of these politically incorrect yeah. things that they're saying and it's supposed to be building up dread but in watching it it seemed like uh I wasn't sure whether they were trying to to show that because these people are acting stupid, that means that they're all borderline personality. They all right. have borderline personality like disorder, and one of them is going to kill him. And so it's like it's an interest. It's just a different a climate now, where yeah. the what it. Whereas with Shyamalan stuff, it's very much like this very simple, um, more uh, psychological story. There's a lot of stuff now that's based more on these social movements. Yeah. And if you're, if you're not, if your thinking doesn't line up with the writer, then 
it can be very impenetrable right. to get into their headspace right. because they have their kind of echo chamber that they're in and you might not be like that or you might not right. agree with all the things that it's trying to and like say. So with that one, with Tyrell, for example, you almost could do the same exact thing, although it would have slightly different connotations, mm-hmm. but you could do the same exact thing if it was oh, a whole frat boys that invited a woman up there for the weekend. Obviously mm-hmm. that has like very different possible consequences, right. but it's the same feeling of I should not be here. Mm-hmm. So my question is why, why that? Why are they doing that? Like, mm-hmm. are they trying to say like, you shouldn't care about the person's race? Well, okay. Yeah, you shouldn't, or you couldn't, shouldn't care about their gender or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very confused about what the point of uh-huh. what they're trying to and, say and, is. And I think it, what, what, the tra- what makes it come across strange in the trailer is that you would think if this guy was this uncomfortable around these yeah, people, leave. Why did he, he even go? That he, yeah, that he wouldn't be there. Because I'm pretty sure. So yes, it's one thing that he was a black guy that got invited up there. If it was a woman that got invited up there, she wouldn't have gone. Yeah, <laughs> been like no, sorry. <laughs> um, but you're right in that. Like, there's this. Um, it, it's more based on the social. Um, right, the, and then the problem becomes. It's not anything internal that these people are doing something wrong. They were socialized this way. Mm-hmm. And that's crap. Because uh-huh. every last one of those boys is old enough to know better uh-huh. and can walk out of doing ex- everything right. that was in that movie. Yeah. Like, there is no, nobody there, their fathers aren't there with guns to their head saying, you're going to behave like this. <laughs> right. You can and, still yeah, have a choice. I that, don't care how you were socialized. That's been a, that's been a big um, criticism about movies that are about these social issues. Is that it? Kind of it. It pre-victimizes the victim in the movie yeah. because it's basically saying that this person doesn't have agency in this. Simply because he's the one black guy at a frat party, and yeah. I'm like, hey, he could be just as fratty as the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. Because why not? Right. I don't know. It's just so annoying. I'm yeah. like, this is not. But it. But it's. I. And it's lazy characterization. Mm-hmm. Right, and and that's. But what's interesting is that that's become a bigger issue with horror movies in general, is that um, a lot of them have become very fatalistic in that rather than showing a few virtuous people who, through their friendship, overcome evil. Yeah. Which which is why I love The Conjuring so much, because it's this married couple who, through their the power of their love, <laughs> defeat... <laughs> Not one, but many demons. Many demons. <laughs> um, and and there, there, there's stuff about faith in God and stuff like that too in there, um, and the and the family that is being haunted at the same time. Um, but a lot of them have become. Let's watch uh, five to ten people get killed in sequence because they're idiots. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's interesting to me because there's there seem to be different people that have different. Um, because like I, I've also enjoyed ones that are more misanthropic main characters who have some kind of dark thing that they're going through, and a lot of Emmett Chamberlain stuff are, is like that too. Um, but like like you know the guy in um, Sixth Sense, he you you're reading it as he's estranged from his wife, and that he's not doing anything right about it until you realize no, that no, so. he's dead. <laughs> um, but uh, the yeah, it's it. There seem to be different types of stories to tell, and the trend toward 
we're going to sh- do social commentary right. rather than individual character work. Right. It's, it's kind of a weird swing yeah. to me that I'm not get like, that I think, like, for example, Get Out did it well. Yes. Because there were specific characters yes. in that. It was a very much more and, individual thing. Like, there's even that one blind guy that he makes friends with that is terribly part of the problem, <laughs> but it, it's showing you a different specific reason. Like, I'm blind. I'm going to get out of this. Yeah. Spoiler alert. By getting into somebody else's body. Who has eyes that work. Yeah. So, like, that... He did a very good job in doing different subtle things throughout right. that movie to As show you. As opposed to this, which looks like it's going to have the issue like you were complaining about with Handmaid's Tale, where it's just guys are all this one vague mask of evil, and there's right. no individualism. And as, as a person whose best friend is black, we do racial humor all the time. Yeah. To back and forth to each other. He once told me that all uh, all Puerto Ricans eat rice out of tinfoil. <laughs> And it no, was no, one the of the funniest things. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's one of the funniest things in the world. But that's, that's it, it sh- it's showing that as if, like, oh, is he also going to pull out a knife? And it's like, no. what the heck? Like, people do this when there's a black, when when there's these uncomfortable thing. If you know the person yeah. and you know the, the humor that they do, that's, it's, it's a very common thing for that to happen. But, um, yeah, it's just, but the, Trailer does not frame it well. I, I think I want to watch it just to see if it is as bad as the as trailer makes it look. Um, but yes, the first to say we both really like Evelyn Chapelon. Yes, um, we like his style of Keep writing. Keep making movies, please. And we would. I, I mean, I'm I'm fully. We should totally go try out for like being extras in his next one that comes by. <laughs> oh sure. Um, no, that well, would he be. He puts all kinds. No, of no, I, 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 that sounded movies. sarcastic, but I would really. That would be fun. Be cool. Um. We we uh yeah we really enjoy stuff and but well, I'm personally I'm not afraid to argue with people if they want to yeah not not I'll, I'll put it differently if you have a reason that we didn't mention because we did try to do devil's advocate here um that you think that uh there's things that he could improve upon or there's reasons why you don't um don't dig his stuff yeah that you don't like his You're stuff not digging or, the chili. <laughs> Then you know, write to us, a boxing story podcast at gmail.com. We would like to continue the conversation. At, or you and, can talk to us on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. We have facebook.com slash, I guess, a boxing story. Just look up I Facebook and a boxing yes. story and you'll find it. Um, we're a boxing story on Twitter. If you want to continue the conversation there, please do. Uh, if you want to support us, we're at patreon.com slash think outside the box. Um, Melissa is doing a. Uh, a serial novel called Iron Sorcerer. It's really cool. And first uh, chapter is now free, by the way. Yes. At momtoast.com under creations. Yes. Um and uh there you can help support us to uh work on our, our own stories. Get I can get editing for my book and um we can do a bit more with marketing our material that way. Um and also you can get the random media minicast uh which we're we're Pulling things out of a hat and discussing it. The next episode will be "Don't Look Under the Bed," which might go up a day late, but it was fun. But it was, it, yes, it was, it was really better cool. than I expected. <laughs> so that that'll be up shortly. Uh, but thanks for listening. Uh, you again, um, contact us if you want to. Uh, the The Twitter term is at me. 
if you want to fight about <laughs> this or that. Um, or just uh, talk about how much you like M. Night Shyamalan. All right. I'll see you later. Good night. Bye-bye.